Okay, hey, this is Brent Leary, and with me today is Taylor Schreiner. I want to make sure I get it right. He is the director of Adobe Digital Insights at Adobe. Taylor, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Brent. Appreciate it. So you guys just put out this really interesting study around kind of the adoption levels of uh, voice assistants and smart speaker ownerships and all the things I love to talk about. Uh, So we're going to get into that in a second. But before we do, uh, maybe you can give us a little of your personal background. Oh, gosh. Um, so I've been in this kind of an industry for a long time. Um, we'll, we'll, skip, we'll skip past mom and dad and the whole background there. We'll, we'll go straight to uh, I kind of got onto, into the Internet space through uh, Yahoo back in the day. Um, and I have been or had been running advertising research organizations at Yahoo and Twitter and LinkedIn. And then um, at TubeMogul, and when, TubeMogul, when Adobe acquired TubeMogul, uh, shortly thereafter, I took over this Adobe Digital Insights team, which I can't claim credit for. They've been a, an amazing team, but I've been running them for a little over a year now, and um, yeah, it's, it's a it, we have an amazing set of data that we are really proud and excited to bring out to to the world and the industry. So I'm glad to have this kind of forum to talk about it. So the uh, report is called "The State of Voice Assistants," uh, just freshly released. So maybe you could tell us a little mm-hmm. bit of a general explanation of what it's about and also why Adobe decided to do it now. Yeah, the why and the what are really, really tightly bound there. We um, So just to step way back, we every holiday season do uh, have done a, uh, an assessment of U.S. online retail, right? We look at what products are hot, what people are buying, all sorts of stuff. And you'll see that again coming from us um, in November. But as we looked at those retail trends through this year, we kept seeing voice, voice, voice. You know, smart speakers are being purchased. Uh, even things that aren't smart speakers have, you know, um, in-home, smart home technologies integrated with the smart smart speakers. So we said, uh, you know, look, this is really interesting. We want to dive into it. We ha- we put some surveys out there. Um, this one in particular we got excited about because when we talk to companies we work with, you know, there's a lot of uh, assumptions about about voice but not a lot of really clear data about what people are doing with it. Uh, and so moving from, you know, are people buying it, what are they buying, to how are they using it became a really clear uh, clear effort for us, clear thing for us to do. So that was the motivation. And then really, you know, we want to ask, look, uh, you know, we all have anecdotal experience with, with voice devices, either personally uh, or, you know, I don't personally have a smart speaker in my home because my wife won't allow it, but... Uh, our neighbors have them. You know, I see the kids interact with them. They're there. It's in the car. It's on my phone. It's on the watch. It's everywhere. So, uh, but everybody has everybody has their own opinion about uh, well, how is this all evolving? And we want to really get a more comprehensive sense of how voice is, is working in the world. Um, and so, what we did, we asked. Uh, I won't dive too deep yet into the answers, but we asked the questions. You know, what are you doing? Um, what do you have? Right? Uh, what do you do with it? Uh, and not just sort of like, do you check the weather or what, whatnot, but what are your real interactions with that? And then one of the things that got really exciting uh, for us, too, is we wanted to ask, well, how is it, how is it changing your relationship to the, the spaces and the people that you're, you're with? Um, really get to the, the, begin to get to the sociological level of how is voice changing um, how people interact. And this study was done uh, with roughly about 1,000 U- adults in the U.S., right? Yeah, over 1,000 adults in the U.S. at the end of August. Great. So what were some of the key takeaways or findings that you came out of this with? Sure. So, I mean, there's, there's, so, there's actually so much for, for, um, uh, for what we saw, for, for, for one survey. A lot, a lot came out of that. Um, some of it was confirming things you would expect, right? So people check the, the weather. 
uh, people play music on their devices, right? There's a we, we sort of divvy the world in, like there's about there, there's a set of, of, of behaviors that you expect people to do and they do. Um, and then there's a deepening set of other behaviors that are are, are more interesting, like sports scores, um, uh, you know, um, work, kitchen recipes, all sorts of the things that that are anecdotally you see, but um, specifically, you know, an individual might not do. So a lot of people, almost everybody does the first category. Everybody does some of the second category. And then we see, everybody seems to do one or two of what I would call the third category, which are really deep interactions that for marketers and for consumers are really uh, new and interesting. Like, I'm actually going to check my credit balance. Mm. I'm going to price these tickets. I'm going to ask, what would it, you know, uh, you <laughs> You're maybe in the middle of, of a, a debate as to whether you should get a bigger television. You can actually ask the device, like, how much would it really cost you to get a, you know, 60-inch television or 60-inch smart, smart television? You can actually have these things really have these conversations really quickly, even more quickly than you might from a mobile device. Um, so that that was one big takeaway that these there are these three categories of behaviors, and we're seeing really increasing depth in that third category. Um, the second thing we saw was for us, you know, we, we have a a lot of the work we do is around retail. What are people buying? There's, there was a big question in the industry about, um, you know, do people really make purchases on voice devices? And you know, the answer is maybe more than you would think. So about a quarter, depending on what you're asking, about a six to a quarter of people have done some kind of purchasing, be it their takeout, order pizza, or maybe their seven-year-old learned how to order pizza. But somehow they order pizza. Um, they've they've made individual purchases. Some of them make recurring purchases on those devices. And so, you know, I think that's the, the, the layer that, at that level, you know, it's really kind of interesting for a retailer to look at. But if you are, uh, if you look at the behaviors leading up to a purchase, people are doing more and more of that kind of thing. What's the price? Uh, how many colors does this come in? Um, you know, what's a flight going to, you know, how long is a flight from A to B? A lot of the research elements go there, even if, you know, at the end of the day, people aren't still really necessarily um, comfortable with uh, with actually finishing the purchase on that device. Yeah. So, you know, the takeaway for consumers is that's transforming, you know, and brands are going to be there to help you with that. The takeaway for brands would be you got to be where your consumers are, where they're, where they're doing the research, even if they're not making the purchase. We learned that with so many other channels, right? Um, and then, you know, there's more. But the, I would say the third thing that really struck me, the, the thing that was surprising to me, was um, the number of people who are going to buy another one. Yeah. Another... Echo Dot, another Google Home, another, you know, any one of these things. Because, you know, when we ask the questions, are you going to buy one as a gift, you know, if you already own one? Yes, that, you know, if you own one, if you own a voice, a smart smart speaker. So I'm talking about smart speakers here. We have, there's more to talk about with other elements of voice, but smart speakers for the moment. If you're buying, a, if you own a smart speaker, of course you're you're more likely to give one as a gift. You've, you've enjoyed, if you've enjoyed it, right? But what was really striking is about half, almost half, 45% or so of people um, who own a smart speaker are looking to buy another one, which tells me a couple things. It tells me, um, you know, you're, you, they're liking it, they're they're willing to spend the money on it, but also they've got some uses for those things. And maybe it sits in the living room and they play music, and they're tired of having to go from the kitchen to the living room and ask it a question. And now they kind of want to expand their voice network in the home. Um, and I, I had, I got to admit, I didn't actually anticipate that, but it's very clear in the data that. People are looking to have a broader access to their smart speakers in their house. Yeah, one of the things that I found out, there's a, like you said, there's a lot of data points in here. Um, and when you talk about the, the folks that have smart speakers, 
going to buy more uh, more for themselves, but also more for other people. Um, and it's it's uh, pretty interesting to see how smart speakers are driving this kind of like you say the voice excitement versus mm-hmm. the like the mobile phone, which there are multiple of more mobile phones out there. People are using them all the time, every day for a number of things. But yet and still, it's the smart speaker that seems to be driving the real interest in using uh, voice first to do things, use voice assistance. Any, do you have any, like, any thoughts about why that is since we've been using phones for so much longer, but it's the smart speaker that's actually driving the interest? Yeah, it's really interesting that if you own a smart speaker, you're about three times as likely to use voice on your phone, uh, you're more likely to use it in your car, on your watch. All of these modes open up once you've got that speaker. So a couple of things must be going on. We don't really get to, you know, it's hard to get to that directly, but what, one thing that's clear is when you can just yell in your, at objects in your living room and get a response, um, you open up to some new ideas about how you might use voice, right? So uh, one hypothesis, and I, I think it's borne out in the data, is you, know, you just get to see the utility of voice much more clearly when you, uh, when you have a smart speaker. The other hypothesis, which is very much borne out in the data, is when you have a smart speaker, you are more comfortable socially talking to things. Um, and you know, it, it, I've been struck by, just over the past few years, how rapidly, as a culture, we've become accustomed to talking to objects. Uh, you know, and it, what's clear is that if you have a smart speaker, you're used to having that, you're used to whatever that device is being in your living room and having that conversation and being in the middle of a chat with your friends and debating whether Kevin Bacon was in a particular movie and just yelling at the speaker, hey, can you answer this question for me? And not thinking about that that might have been strange five years ago, right? So both of those things, then once you're willing to do that, well, of course you're willing to yell at your, your car or talk to your phone or whatever. Um, the, the interesting anecdote I have about that is that you know I got I got to the point with my navigation that um, you know I was going someplace and the navigation was telling me to go a different way and I knew better and so I yelled you know, which is hey shut up and then my kid in the back is like five years old and he's like hey shut up and I thought hmm we really <laughs> got to think about the norms for when you know when we how we address you know non humans um, and politeness but um, I think we'll get to that as a society later. So yeah, that's really interesting. When you talked about uh, the kind of the shopping aspect or the customer journey, there's been a mm-hmm. lot made uh, recently around Prime Day and kind of mm-hmm. with the low numbers people saw for actually shopping using uh, Alexa. I think it was like what was it? Only like ten percent of the people actually used uh, mm-hmm. you know Alexa to buy something, and then only. Two, no, it was like 2% used it, and then only 10% of that 2% actually bought something else after the first time they did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of people saying, well, is maybe this people aren't ever going to get into voice shopping. But it sounds like, looking at the data, that there are, there are parts of the shopping journey that are already starting to travel through the voice assistant, even if the final transactions haven't taken place yet. Yeah, I think that's true. And, you know, in my mind, I always have sort of two models of where voice is right now. 
one model is, look, you know, we've seen desktops pick up at a certain, you know, in certain curves, advertising took off this way, you know, at a certain point, people started doing more purchasing, more, more buying, then they became really ubiquitous, and all of a sudden, you know, everyone's doing their shopping. And mobile is following a not too different, uh, not, a not too distant uh, form of that path, a little bit different in its own. But you think, you know, look, everybody's got a smartphone now, people are doing shopping, we're seeing in our data that you know, for a long time, people just did um, maybe ten cents or twenty cents on the dollar of of shopping on their phone versus their desktop, and that's really starting to. It's not near parity, but it's really starting to close that gap pretty quickly. So one model is: look, is voice going to be like mobile? It's certainly going to be ubiquitous very quickly. We're seeing a lot of people owning them, looking to own them. They're very cheap as a consumer electronics item. And they integrate really well with all sorts of um, other stuff that people have and not very complicated to use. So it could be like mobile, right? But one thing that mobile had that was very clear was a really strong ecosystem of uh, apps and developers and open open platforms on which uh, you know mobile could evolve quickly. And when I look at what's available in the voice space, it looks a little bit more to me like. 1998, 99, where you know you can go to Yahoo, you can ask a specific set of questions. There's a flight tracker here or there. There's an app here or there. The credit card company's got a basic thing that they know how to do now, but we haven't really crossed over to figuring out the the new and different utility of voice. And I think that's that's going to be the that's our moment right now. Is figuring out how voice is different and what's really going to do differently. Yeah. Well, I have to ask since you're, you're you're living in a household that doesn't have these devices because you're a sure. wife, and there's a lot more people out there like your wife who are like, I do not want this in my house right now. Do you yeah. do you see that as something that over time will eventually uh, kind of the trust will be built up enough, or the, the utility will be built up enough, where even folks who are kind of hesitant to it now will get over the hump, or do you see that as a as a continual impediment that? Uh, voice will have to face i'm absolutely willing to answer that question on the condition that i not talk about my wife specifically <laughs> and her changes in attitude um in in general i mean i think yeah i, I think i mean what you know uh look if you've got some large portion of the country who uh of households especially affluent households who can afford these these devices who have devices in the house you know i go over to them i see how their uses have evolved, and I see that, well, maybe, you know, it's not so bad, maybe I'm interested in um, uh, in getting one for the utility, right, because there's more stuff I can do with it than I thought. And then, of course, my kid goes over to another kid's house, he's like, why don't we have one, right, that happens. Um, and I think the privacy and trust issues, um, they're not going to go away. Uh, and I, I personally don't see them uh, being sort of... Uh, locked up and, and, and everyone feeling reassured about the privacy issues of voice. I think two other things are more likely to happen. One is we're going to realize we've got voice on our phones, voice in our cars, voice everywhere else anyway, and the living room is a sort of might as well. And then, as I said, there's going to be so much more value in having one, having a, a voice assistant in the home that it'll start to swamp the privacy concerns that people have, as seems to have been the case in a lot of other uh, you know, privacy versus utility trade-offs in the marketplace. Today. I guess one last question would be, uh, we, you, you kind of cover the generalities of voice, but are there any behaviors or things in the data that you're seeing that uh, are specific to any of the 
specific voice assistants or or uh, smart speakers like our folks that are using Alexa more likely to do things than folks that are using uh, Google Assistant? Yeah, we, we, we stayed fairly far away from that particular question, in part because, you know, a lot of this data sits behind those folks' wall gardens, right? And so uh, we'd love to see it. We'd love to see, you know, know more about it, but also, uh, you know, they, they know, they know better and they can probably figure that out. What, what, was, what I think one of the big questions that is out there that I'm interested in, which is related to that, is screens. Uh, we're sort of going into this other direction now where um, you're seeing voice assistants add screens. And I think, you know, in terms of voice utility, the different companies have, have different strengths and they're going to do all different things. They're going to have different capabilities. But you're seeing across, the, across companies this addition of screens, and I'm really curious as to how that changes people's behaviors because it seems that, just to go back to the retail example, it seems that people sort of get stuck at a certain point, for instance, about how they buy. Um, and they're not willing to um, you know, finish the purchase because they haven't seen it, right? They don't know what color the boots are. They don't know, like, uh, even, even sometimes just seeing the price in, on, in, uh, you know, on paper, as it were, as opposed to hearing, it makes a difference as to how you process how much something costs. And so having a screen, first of all, whether people pick up screens and feel comfortable with that is going to be an interesting question. Um, but then if they do, whether that really transforms the way that voice is used, that'll, um, that's something that actually we're looking to ask you know, in the very near future.